Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. A change has happened. A change has happened. Man, I'm so glad to finally be here. Uh, you have no idea how difficult it is to hold on to news and not slip up. In fact, I, I only slipped up once in the entire like, year and a half that, I, that I've had the name. Uh, the, the first, uh, the only time it was this, we had uh, Mary Rager is, is actually, uh, everybody give it for Mary. She's starting a, a food truck. Uh, you're like, what? A food truck? Where? Where? Like, uh, yeah, she's starting a food truck. It's the Crested Crane. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we are planning on Easter Sunday having her like officially bring that to the church. And it's going to be a great celebration. But, but I, I slipped up with Mary when we were talking about the name. And, uh, you know, she's like, we were talking about details about Easter Sunday and revealing that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, um, when we finally la- launched Zaya Church, and like, I don't think she caught it. Mary, did you ever catch that when I said it? No, probably not. She's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Good. So I'd only slipped up once, but I'm finally happy that, that it's out there, that, it's, that we know who our, what, our, what our name is. We know who we are. We're Rosaic Church. And um, uh, people have been saying, so, so what is Easter Sunday? Like, what's the difference between now and Easter Sunday? Well, a couple of things. One, we do have to have our annual business meeting to finalize the name and to change our constitution and bylaws. But also, it's my desire um, that, that in-house we adopt the name individually and, and in this home before we, we make it public. We want to do a, what is called a soft rebrand where we, we take steps uh, week by week. You're going to start seeing that uh, MWC is, is slowly going to be coming off and, and Zaic Church will, will slowly come on. That doesn't mean we are transitioning. We still uphold the same values. We still have the same people, the same families, the same doctrines. We are still a part of the AG. Like, like nothing else is changing other than us clarifying who we are and where we're going. So, so Zaic Church will be slowly coming on things. You're going to start seeing, uh, it's already on the website, on our social media. In a couple of weeks, the, the sign is going to be changed. We have uh, window decal. So there's going to be slow things. We do have merch coming. People have been coming up to me. They're like, dude, that logo is so sweet. Can I put it on a hat or something? Or can I, can I put that on a shirt? And I'm like, it's coming. We, we do have that. So there will be some, some shirts for sale and um, hats and things like that we uh, want, want to you know, give people out. We will have new serve team shirts. So if anyone has ever, if anyone's ever been like, man, this serve team shirt, I love it. But man, I've, I've, I've served so hard that this thing stinks. Like, uh, man, praise the Lord. If your serve team shirt smells permanently, you are like one of my favorite people. I don't have favorites, but seriously, thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, but we are getting you serve team shirts. And per your request, uh, we, we've, I, I've had Jacob ask around, like, if there's one thing we can do differently as a serve team, what, what is one of those things? And everyone's like, more comfortable shirts, like really soft cottons. And I'm like, all right. So, so we do have some new serve team shirts coming. They will be the soft cotton so you can like enjoy serving even more. Uh, kids team as well. And then we will have like Zaic Church shirts that we give out at, you know, when we have guests and so on and so forth. So just really great stuff happening. It is right around the corner. But I just want to really quickly tell you uh, the, the mission of our church, what, what we are going to brand everywhere we see. It's this, we are, MD, or we are Zaic Church. We exist to help all people belong to Jesus transforming them to become a part of God's mosaic masterpiece. So one more time, we exist, we exist to help all people belong. Everybody say belong. That's not leaving this church. We are a church of belonging. We exist to help all people belong to Jesus, transforming them to become a part of God's mosaic. Everybody say mosaic. Mosaic masterpiece. We are 
Zaic Church. Now, if you're new here, you're like, Zaic Church, what, what does that even mean? Is that, is that Greek? Is it Hebrew? Is it Swahili? Yes. No, uh, no. Uh, Zaic Church is just the phonetic and abbreviated spelling of the word mosaic. Now, we understand we live in a very uh, uh, technological age where you want to have a technological edge. We, we, we know that there's a mosaic church on the west side of town, but there's also one on the west coast, and they are huge, and we just wanted to be super clear that, that there's no affiliation there. Uh, we love the idea of Mosaic, but we wanted something distinctive, something unique, something where our Twitter, Instagram, social media, and URLs, I mean, we're living in that age. People check the church website before they ever do anything else. They're going to look at that stuff. So we wanted something that was going to be unique, communicate Mosaic, and help us uh, just communicate in a greater way. So we're like, Zaic, Zaic, let's just drop off the Mo. Who needs Mo? No one likes Mo, right? So, so Zaic, we got it. If there's anybody Mo here, we love you. You belong, okay? Um, but yeah, so, so I just wanted to be very clear about that. So I'm, I'm super excited. We are Zaic Church. We have rebranded. We are rebranding. And we've been in this series called Rebranded, where we have been looking at various case studies in Scripture of people who went through their own rebrand, where it was the Lord who was the one who changed them. How many of you know that whenever God flips someone's story, whenever God flips someone's function, he always changes their name? Whenever the Lord transitions someone or transforms them, that oftentimes came with a name change. And we can see various examples in Scripture. We know that, that Peter, or Simon, uh, was, was a man who, who was notorious for putting his foot in his mouth. He would say all the wrong things at all the wrong times. Like, it was just a horrible thing. Like, I don't know why I broke into song, but I do that from sometimes. Uh, sometimes. Yeah, so, so Simon was always putting his foot in his mouth. And then finally, there was a point where Jesus looked him square in the eye and said, who do you say that I am? And he said, you're, you're Jesus. You're, you're the Messiah. You're the Savior of the world. You, you are the Son of God. And, and he's like, and you are Peter, right? By, by your statement of faith, Simon, you who've always put your foot in your own mouth and have said things at the wrong times, you are making a correct declaration at the perfect time. You are now Peter. You are now that rock. By your statement of faith, that's what Peter means, you are now this rock, this, this strong foundation. And I will build my church on that type of faith. I will build my church on that commitment, and the gates of hell will not prevail against. I mean, just beautiful. We know that, that Saul, a man who struggled with, with prejudice and racism, uh, we know that when the Lord called him to be one that would reach people outside of his own demographic, when he got saved and got to know Jesus, and then Jesus called him, he said, hey, the people that you used to say you were better than, now it's your time to go love them and become less than them and reach them. And, 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 and he went from having this strong Jewish name, Saul, to adopting, embracing this rich Roman name of Paul so that he could accomplish the mission and the vision that Christ was giving him. When Jesus changes your function, he will also change a name. And we've said this. We still exist to reach people. We are still going to be the same church, but God is, is kind of honing in and clarifying the church we are becoming. So we are rebranding from MWC to Zaic. God has blessed us. We've seen so many different things in this church and so many different uh, uh, examples of miracles, but today... I mean, I, I want to talk to you about a different kind of rebrand, one that is not necessarily a name, but one of a role change. We know that there is a point in scripture where we are going to find ourselves this morning where we see Jesus transform someone from a servant to a friend, where he says, you are no longer called servants, you are now friends. And, and specifically, uh, or more clearly, I'm going to say that the title of my message this morning is From Butlers to Bros. 
from butlers to bros, but then like, I was like, oh, but what about the girls in this house? They're going to feel so left out. From, from butlers to besties. We're all besties, okay? So, so Jesus has transformed us. He has rebranded our names. He, he's given us a new identity. We are no longer servants. We are now friends. And I'm going to break down both of those words, and we're going to get into the text this morning. But let, let me just start with this illustration. I mean, I, I love this country. I know it's, it's sometimes messy and it feels divisive at times, but, but I, we are truly blessed in this country. Um, this is the greatest experiment in, in, in human history that we see, uh, that, that we've done. Obviously, God, Jesus, is the greatest thing that has ever happened to this, to this world. But, but honestly, when we take a step back, and, we, and if anybody you know, ha, has a, a contrary position, I'd love to talk to you about this, but if we were to take an objective view and place every single uh, uh, nation or, or experiment that has ever happened with a group of people, uh, this has been, hands down, uh, not perfect, don't ever, don't ever say that, not perfect, obviously wherever there's humans, we're tarnished, we're going to mess things up, we're not imperfect, but we see that this has been a country that has offered the most upward mobility for people, that anybody who was born into poverty does not have to stay in poverty. And anybody who, who, you know, if you go and you start bashing this country, I'm going to say it's because you've never been in any other countries. I'm not saying we're perfect. We've got a lot of work to do. And we, we've messed a lot of things up because we're human. But we started in this country saying we are going to be a country that exists for God. I've got friends around the world, international students, who say, man, they... They, they are so thankful to be in this country. In fact, if you even put, put our country on a, on a list, we to this day continue to have the most international students. We continue to have the most immigrants into this country. And I know Hollywood's always talking about if so-and-so is in the office, I'm leaving. If so-and-so comes in, like I'm, they, they don't leave. They stick around. We are a blessed country. Again, we're not perfect. We've got a lot of things to work on, a lot of things. In fact, that's part of the reason why we rebranded the Zaic Church. We're trying to create an environment that says, listen, we, we want everybody in this place. We want, we want every demographic. We want every color, every creed, every, listen, every sexual orientation. We want everybody in this house to know that they belong and that Jesus loves them and he wants to transform them and change them. We, we want to be that church. But one thing that we, we need to be clear about is this. We have a country that upward mobility is possible. And I don't know about you, but I love those stories of those rags to riches stories, right? Like where, where somebody goes, uh, the son of an immigrant, right? And, and, and they, they blaze a trail for themselves and they become successful and they, and they work hard and they have a dream and they chase that dream. I mean, it, it is a beautiful thing that we can see in this country. Uh, contrarily, what I don't like are those stories where we see people become famous for no reason, right, where some kid is yodeling at Walmart, and now he's like a, an internet sensation, and he gets to go on Ellen, and I bring these kind of things up to my wife, you're like, man, what does what Pastor rant about? Those are one of the things I rant about, like, why is this guy famous, Kate? And she's like, just stop, you're just jealous, and I'm like, no, I'm not jealous, I mean, I wouldn't mind going on Ellen and getting like a free car, but, but man, I... I don't understand why this person's famous, right? And we've seen this throughout history. Like, like we've got individuals who have, have ridden the coattails of someone else, and, and now they are famous. We know that, like, for example, uh, how many of you, in any, like, 90s grunge fans, Nirvana, you guys remember Courtney Love? Like, she did nothing, and she just got famous because of her relationship with Kurt Cobain. And then, then you got, like, even before that, any, any Beatles fans, right? Any, anybody who's an actual Beatles fans, you can't stand Yoko Ono because she broke up, like, the best band in the world, right? Like, like she, just, she just, like, followed John. John, Le uh, John, John Legend, oh my goodness, John Lennon, 
and like completely broke up the Beatles, but she got famous for no apparent reason. She, she released an album, don't listen to it, your ears will fall off, like it's, it's horrible. <laughs> but then the most notorious person who we questioned, why are you famous? Kim Kardashian. Like, keeping up, I don't want to keep up with the Kardashians. Like, like I, want, I want to stay as far away as possible. But now I think she's a pastor's wife, so I, I guess she's a sister in, in Christ. But, because uh, Kanye, man, dude, that guy is changing. Like, he, praise the Lord for what Kanye, what the Lord is doing in Kanye West. But, um, but it, it's crazy. Like, uh, but I remember I used, to, I used to rant all the time. Why is she famous? Like, why does she got her own show? I, listen, Katie, I, I love shopping with, I mean, I, I, I don't love shopping, but I'll come with you. I don't want to watch someone else shop. Like, this is the most boring. Like, why do people watch this? Like keeping up with the Kardashians. I want to, I want to run away from the Kardashians. And, and like I'm just bringing all this stuff up. Why is she famous? And, and, I, and I, anybody who knows me, I, if I have a question, I look things up. Like I, I'm a researcher. I'm a studier. I'm a nerd. Uh, history, Bible, like anything, I, I'm going to research it. So I was like, why is Kim Kardashian famous? And, and I found out that in the early 2000s, there was a other person that, that we would ask ourselves, why is she famous by the name of Paris Hilton, the original person who was like, dude, why, why, is she, why, why are we watching the show? Like, who is, who is putting them on TV? And, and like, who is giving them enough ratings that they stay on TV? And Paris, anybody remember Paris Hilton? Uh, she, she was like this really weird person and stuff. But I found out that the reason why Kim Kardashian got famous is because she was actually Paris Hilton's personal assistant. And she was actually a, a, a kind of a, a servant to Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton would, would employ her to organize her closet. That was her job. In fact, you can go back, I don't encourage it, but you can go back and watch the, what that, whatever show it was with her and, and Lionel Richie's daughter. Uh, Nicole Richie, man, I don't remember this stuff. Uh, but but you can go back and there's little scenes, uh, scenes and clips where you see Kim Kardashian like rubbing Paris Hilton's feet and carrying her bags and like like cleaning her closet not once but twice. Like you can literally see these scenes. And and the reason why I bring this up, you're like, Pastor, how how is this getting to the gospel? Can, can I just say this? I think spiritually sometimes we believe or we know that we are a rags to riches story. But I believe sometimes we think we got to where we are in Christ by our own works, but we didn't. We think that we chased the American spiritual dream and that we climbed our, ourselves and clawed our way to the top, but we didn't. The only way we are seated in righteousness with Jesus is because we ourselves did a Kim Kardashian and we followed in the footsteps of Jesus, that, that he is the one by his righteousness that he has seated us in heavenly places with himself because of Jesus. Listen, when it comes to our relationship with God, we are more like Kim Kardashian than we would like to admit. But the fact remains, and the Bible teaches that our position with God is actually a rags to riches story. We went from being butlers, worse than closet organizers, we went from butlers, servants, slaves to friends. We didn't work our way to righteousness. Nobody in this place is righteous in their own merit. You were placed there because of Jesus, because of his good, deen, good, good doing. In fact, today, if you find yourself in good standing with God, it's only because he lifted your status. And if you don't find yourself in good standing with Jesus, no matter how hard you try and how much you work at it, you cannot get there apart from him. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Ephesians 2, 4, 6 says it this way, but God is so rich in mercy. 
He lavishes us in mercy, that, that he is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. I mean, there we see in that passage where it says, man, we, we were dead in our sins, but he raised us to life. We were worse than, than servants. I mean, we were dead on the corner of like Fifth and, and, and Elm, and we were just, I don't know if that's even a, an intersection in Wichita, but I just made it up. We were dead on this corner, and, and Christ lifted us up to righteousness. I mean, he, he is so good. Today, we see Jesus himself communicate that fact to us. In, John, in John's gospel, chapter 15, we're going to find this portion in scripture where Jesus clearly says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. That's a beautiful statement. In fact, if we were to do a a study on on the context of of John's gospel, we know that in John 13 through John 17, this whole um, uh, portion in scripture is is like Jesus's final uh, rights to the disciples where where he's, he's clearly communicating to them, hey, listen, I'm about to go. We've had our last supper, uh, or we're having our last supper, and I'm, I'm about to go. These are what, what is considered his, his uh, final discourses, his final teachings, and he's, and he's teaching the disciples, trying to encourage them. They all know what he has already said. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm going to get handed over to the Jews. They're going to crucify me. Uh, the Romans are going to try to crucify, or they're going to crucify me as well. Uh, this is it. I'm done, uh, but, but I, I want to give you some final teachings. It's not going to end in death. It's going to end in victory. Uh, the Lord is going to raise me up. Like He's bringing all this stuff up, and, he, and he's bringing them teaching through 15 and 17, chapters 15 to 17. But in 15, he's trying to really encourage them. Everybody say the word encourage. He's trying to encourage them. And he says a couple of words in the section we're gonna read today. If, if, if you do a, a word study or a number study on how many times a word is said, we're gonna see in the portion of scripture we're gonna read in, a, in the next few moments that over five times we see the word command and almost twice that, almost not, or 10 times, nine times in fact, we see the word love. And those two words surround the idea of going from servants to friends. Let's read this passage together, John 15. The Lord starts, he says this, as the Father has loved me, verse nine, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Let's just pause for one second. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I mean, can we just think about that for a moment? What kind of love does the Father give the Son? An endless love. A love that doesn't change, a love that doesn't shift, a love love that is continuous. In fact, we see over three times in Scripture where the Lord affirms that love to Jesus audibly. This is my Son whom I love. I love him. With him I am well pleased. And when we see this time and time again, and now Jesus is contrasting that love and saying this, the same way that the Father loves me is is how I love you. And that's not to say that the Father doesn't love you because the Father and the Son are one. We, We love you for sure, 
But I just want you to know, as, as this time that I've been walking with you, he's saying this, the same love that the Father has for me, I have for you. God is madly in love with you. Jesus loves you. He doesn't love a better version of yourself. He doesn't love the, the 2012 you when, you when things were doing, doing better and you were doing better and you were following after him. He doesn't, he doesn't love the version of you that's going to start reading the Bible more or start praying more or start giving more or start being more generous. He doesn't love the version of you that's going to... Be, be uh, you know, someone who's more faithful and obedient. Like, he loves you apart from what you do. That's a very challenging thing for us to, to wrap our minds around because we are individuals that say, I love you when you behave well. But the Father says contrary to that. Now, let's not confuse something. Let's not confuse God's love for his approval. God's, God's love never ends. He approves when we obey, and we're going to see this in a second. He doesn't approve when we disobey, but our obedience does not change the love of the Father. It's crazy. If anything, that reality makes me want to serve him so much more. I mean, it takes the pressure off, and Jesus is communicating this to him. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide. Everybody say abide. Remain. Rest in. Take, take comfort in. Run towards. You know, something in the church I see all the time is people who are not living right for God, they try to run from him. And they say, Lord, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on myself, and I'm going to try to put my life back together, and when I do, I'll come to you so you can be proud of me. That is not the gospel. The gospel says this, you can't put yourself back together. You can't work your way and try to, to do a patch job on your spiritual life. Come to Jesus and he will do the work. He will do what you cannot do. And literally we, we see here in this passage, he says, abide in that love. The love that the Father has for me and that I have, uh, remain in that. Stay rooted in that. And he says this, Verse 10, which if anyone ever preaches verse 10 apart from verse 9, they are, they are man, they, they are messing up the gospel message. But verse 10, and some of you are like, oh, this is a hard passage, but you've got to read it in light of verse 9. He says this, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abided in his love. Verse 9 and 10 go hand in hand, but let's continue in verse 11. We'll get there in a second. He says this, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The Lord's desire for us is to have fullness of joy. And one way that our joy is complete and made full is when we come to understand and know that he loves us. And not just that, but if we use that love as a means to live lives of obedience. God's desire for you is to obey him. He loves you. He has set, as author of life, he has set rules to life. And as a father, his desire is to give those rules of life to his children and say, if you follow these, your joy will be complete. Stop complaining about how horrible your life is when you are not following the rules. I love you. Follow these. And not just that, but remain in my love while you do so. I mean, very, very clear here. He says this, greater love has no one than this. He continues on. Or verse 12, sorry. This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, should last, should remain, so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, in my authority, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let me just pray real quick. Father, as we unpack this, man, this, this full and rich passage, I pray that as we look at this transformation from butlers to bros, from butlers to besties, I pray that you would help us answer these questions. Help, help us look at this text and unpack everything that you would have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Every single person who enters this planet comes in a stranger. In fact, I'll say this, every single person you know, you were once a stranger to them. It may be very difficult to understand, right? Because like you have your arms around someone that you love or you may have them seated in another chair like, hey, I want to sit next to you at church, right? That thing you said in the car. Like, uh, but the reality is this, every single person you know, parents, spouse, children, they came in as a stranger, right? I love my kids. I love them. But there was a point where they were strangers to me and I was like, guess this is mine, right? Like, like, We've all been there. We've all been there. But you know what's completely beautiful? Is there's only one person who we have never been a stranger to. There's one person who has known us before we are even a twinkle in our Father's eye. It's God. You are no stranger to Him. Now, your relationship may be estranged in this moment. You may be saying, Pastor, I don't know who He is, but man, He knows you. He loves you. His desires are for you to know him. And we see in scripture time and time again that God is on this crazy pursuit to ensure that we know him. Listen, even though you are a stranger to God or even though we may understand that, that we may be estranged from him, nonetheless, even though you are no stranger to him, your relationship can sometimes still be estranged. The great thing about him is that even though he knows you, it's his mission for you to know him. God's desire is that we would go from being servants to friends. Every single person. Everybody say servant. Everybody say friend. God wants to make that leap this morning. Now, you may already feel like a friend of God, and I, I applaud that. I, I want that. But I, my prayer, my hope is this, that I wake up every single day saying, Lord, I want to be a better friend than I was yesterday. Lord, you, you are the greatest friend I've ever had. I want to be a better one. And today, I, I wanted to show you that in this passage, it unpacks for us four facts about being friends with Jesus. There are four things that we need to know about being friends with Jesus. Let me ask you this question as we unpack this. What would, or would Jesus call you his friend? Would Jesus call you his friend? If, if he came down and he took an inventory and he said, are we friends? And, you know, like he took that personality test. What, what would the results of that be? Would he say, yeah, we're bros and besties, right? Would he say that? Or would he be like, man, you, you still act like a servant. You're still a slave to your own selfish desires. You're, you're a servant to your own wants, your own needs. You chase your own dreams. You blaze your own trail and you... You just asked me to bless it, Jesus, right? Like, 
We're not, we're not friends. Today, I'm gonna, I want to unpack four ways we know or four facts about being friends with Jesus. And I'm going to give them to you really quick on the screen so that, we, that way we know them. You have them in your, if you're taking notes. The first thing is this. Friends of Jesus love one another. Friends of Jesus obey his commands. Friends of Jesus understand his truths. And friends of Jesus bear fruit that lasts. And I put bear fruit because I don't want anybody to think, are there a bear fruit? Like, what's a bear fruit? Like, no, uh, we, we, we bring forth results. That, that's exactly what that word means. So, so friends of Jesus love one another. Friends of Jesus obey his commands. Friends of Jesus understand his truths. And friends of Jesus bear fruit that lasts. Those are the four things. The first thing I want us to look at is the number one on there. Friends of Jesus, love one another. Everybody say, love one another. Love one another. That is the number one, the first thing we see unpacked in this passage, the first requirement of us to be considered friends of Jesus. You will know you are a friend of Jesus if you love the person next to you. Not the person who looks like you, dresses like you, believes in the same things. No, if you love each other, that is how you know you're a friend of Jesus. Look what he says here in verse 12 of that very passage. He says this, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's not something that Jesus isn't saying, I implore you to love each other the way I have loved you. He's like, hey, here's a good suggestion. Maybe love each other the way I love. No, he is saying, I command you. This, this, like, if we are going to be in relationship, if we're going to do this thing, if we're going to be friends The commandment is this, love one another as I have loved you. Oh, how the church needs this. Not our church, because we're really good, but but the the church, the capital C church. Now, we all need this. We all need this. You don't have to look very far around the room to be like, yeah, that person really frustrates me. We need love for one another if we are going to continue this friendship with God. He says this, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. These things I command you so that you will love one another. You know what's interesting about this portion in Scripture, the context of this passage? That chapter 13, which is the continuation of this conversation, in chapter 13, Jesus says the exact same thing. We see this in John chapter 13, verses 34, 35, on the very same night, the very same night, Jesus says this, a new commandment I give you, right? That you love one another. That you love one another just as I have loved you. And you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The identifier for whether or not you know Jesus is not the cross around your neck. It's not the WWJD bracelet on your wrist. The identifier for whether or not you know Jesus, his identifier, is do you love one another? Or, or, or do we gossip? Or do we backbite? Or are we quick to chop at the knees and discredit anyone? Do we love one another? Are, are we willing to go the distance to, to love people? Are we willing to hold someone's hand when they are going through a, a horrible time? Do we do as the scriptures teach and, and weep with those that are weeping and, and rejoice with those are, that are rejoicing? Or do we do the inverse and, and rejoice when they're weeping and and weep when, when they're rejoicing. We are to love one another. It's, it's, it's the metric. But why would Jesus repeat this not once but twice on the very same night? Because he's a masterful teacher and he understands 
that his disciple, like all people, have very thick heads. And if he's gonna convey something, if he's gonna drive a truth in, it's gonna take more than one time. We need to love one another. Oh, and by the way, we need to love one another. And by the way, just in case you forgot, we, we need to love one another. Oh, hey, I just wanna give you one more command in case you missed it, uh, love one another. It's kind of like, like Katie telling me to don't forget to pick up the groceries on the way. Hey, just uh, don't forget to pick up the groceries on the way home. Like, she, you repeat what's important. And Jesus is repeating time and time again, if we're gonna be friends, if you're gonna adopt this relational shift that I've dropped on you from servant to friend, you need to love one another. In fact, James says this, the brother of our Lord says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you. Some people are like, oh, that devil. That devil's bringing all these fights in my life. Like, he's bringing all this opposition. That devil is, no, listen, here's why you fight. Here's why you quarrel with people. Uh, What causes fights and quarrels among you, James says? He says this, don't they come from your desires? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, and he's not talking about literal kill. He's talking about the Killing in the heart, uh, literally hatred is what Jesus would call it. Hatred is murder in your heart. He says this, you, 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 you hate each other. You, somebody has something and you hate them for it. We say here, it continues on, he says, uh, you desire but you do not have so you kill. You covet, you, you, you greatly desire, you see from a distance and your eyes want that. But you cannot get what you want so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. I love having kids. I have turned into a clinical psychologist. I run case studies on my children uh, to see just behavioral tendencies with, with young ones. And, and I, I notice Aubrey, August, and Desmond, my beautiful children, I, I, I see what happens just naturally in their flesh when August picks up a toy that is the color pink and it's not his. Aubrey looks at a distance and she waits to strike. <laughs> yeah, that, that's mine. I know you're my brother. I, I, I know you're my brother. I, I know we sit at the same table every single day and, and you love me and hug me even though you express it in weird ways, but that, that's mine. And, and, we, and she covets and, and they, do it, they do it all the time. Aubrey's playing with Desi's apple toy. You're like, why is it August? And this August is just super chill. He's like, oh, they're fighting again. The kids drinking this mug of coffee. <laughs> the, the children are acting up again. Like he's like a little man. But, but how are we to love? Uh, in this passage, we note two things. One, we must love each other the way God loves us. The cross is one of the most gruesome images in human history. But behind that imagery is a message that says, I love you. Can I, can I just submit to you that we are to take up that kind of love for others now? Thanks be to God, it's not a literal crucifixion crucifixion of ourselves, but we are to crucify our wants and desires and place the needs of others ahead of our own. We are to crucify our personal preferences. Listen, we are going through a change in this church. We are changing our name, and I guarantee you there are some people who don't like that as much. Why? How do I know that? Because I've been a pastor long enough to know this. You can make some people happy all the time, or you can make happy all, or you can make all people happy some of the time, but you're never gonna make all people happy all the time. That just doesn't work. For people, we're not always gonna be happy. I know that's the changes that have happened. Not everybody's happy about it. But a part of love is willing to say, I'm gonna crucify my preferences for what the Lord is doing. Yeah, I may not meet my desire. 
I don't even know how to say Zaic until Pastor clapped at church this morning. But I'm gonna set aside my desires and understand that it's not whether or not my desires are being met, but whether or not we together are pushing forward the mission of Jesus. And as so long as this church continues to proclaim Jesus crucified and resurrected and ascended and continues to say we want his Holy Spirit among us and to dwell among us and we want to see his power and work and we want to see lives changed, I'm, I'm in. Those people are ones who understand what it means to be in friendship with God. And I believe as I look around, that's all of us. That's our desire. But the first thing is this, that we must love the way God loves us. We crucify our desires and our preferences. Secondly, is this. We can only love this way if we've received it. You cannot give impossible love unless you've been the recipient of impossible love. Some of you read these passages and you're like, oh my goodness, what a tall order. Like, how, how am I gonna do that? How am I gonna love the way Jesus loves? Can I, can I say this? The only way how is if you've received it. If you live and abide and remain in that love, you will reciprocate that love. In fact, that, this is the reason why in that same chapter, Jesus gives us the parable of the vine and the branch. He, notice he doesn't say, hey, everybody bear fruit. I want everybody to start producing fruit and, and making sure that you're doing all these good things. No, 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 he, he starts with this, and everybody always leans on that. But what is the, 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 the measure of making fruit? If you're abiding in him. His command is, is to abide in him, and from that abiding, from that remaining, from that, from that leaning on, from that clinging to Jesus as the vine, and recognizing that you are just the branch, that, that you get your nourishment, your well-being from the vine, from that place of abiding, you will produce fruit. So how then do we love? Lord, give me, give me some more love. I, I need the love that you have to offer. Lord, I, I know I'm unlovable, and I, I don't know how you do it, but help, lo- love me even more. I, w- I want to be tapped into that love. I, w- I, wanna, I want a, an IV of that love. It is constantly being tapped into that. How are you going to love the people that you disagree with? We're about to go into a very divisive season of political elections. You better believe it. But may this church be marked by regardless of what color you entertain or what side of the aisle you sit on, that we love, love them. Every single person, both sides of the aisle, I don't care if they're sitting in the balcony, we love them. We love them. The only way you do that is if you've been the recipient of love, because here's the thing, God has loved you at your worst. Uh, You may think you're cute, and you are, but man, spiritually, you're ugly. I'm ugly. My sin was and has and continues to be ugly. There's nothing cute about it. But God loves us through that. And he takes us from that place and and, and wraps us. Ephesians would say he, he drapes us in righteousness. So take off those clothes, those slave clothes, and put on robes and gowns of righteousness that he places over us from the foundations of the earth. I mean, we see this. How do we love? Receive that love. If there's one thing you take away from this morning, it's this, Lord, give me more of your love. Let me, let me, let me receive it so that I can love others. Secondly is this, friends of Jesus obey his commands. 
One of the commands that he gives us is to forgive others. Amen? To forgive the way you've been forgiven. That is such a hard thing to do. To forgive is hard. Um, Forgiving becomes easier when you remember how much you've been forgiven of. But if you think that you've not been forgiven of much, you, it'll be more difficult for you to forgive. And you may be saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm quick to forgive, but I, I cannot forget, right? Like, and many of us have heard that. I'll forgive, but I won't forget because that's something that your mom taught you. No. Does the Lord do that to us? Does he say, hey, I forgive you, but then he turns into Ross from Monsters, Inc., but I'm always watching, right? Like, like <laughs> he don't do that. That's not how God is. He, uh, how far has he cast our sin from us? As far as the east is from the west. But that doesn't comply. Like, that doesn't make sense. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a quandary, right? That's, that's, a, that's a logical fallacy. The east can't be as far as from the west because those are exactly, exactly. That's how far he's placed your sin from you. And he's forgiven you. And he fails, like he, he, he will not bring that up and say, hey, you, you remember that time when he doesn't do that. Remember the prodigal son? He's walking back home. Father, forgive me. I've, I'm unworthy to be a son. Let me just be one of your servants. And he's re- repeating him. He's reciting what he's going to tell the father as soon as he gets home. And the father sees him from the window and he busts that door down. He chases after his son. He's like, my son is home. And he begins to recite his, 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 his speech. Father, forgive me. I, and he's like, my son is home. My son is home. And he, he, he takes off his robes and throws them on him. And he says, here, take, take one of my royal rings. You, you are a son again. And, and hey, kill the fattened calf. My son is home. Let's throw a party. Like, like, like this is how God embraces us and then when we someone sins against us we're quick to be I'm always watching I won't forgive them 1 Corinthians 13 is not just a passage we preach at weddings verse 5 says this I just want to hone in on that he says this love keeps no records of wrongs whoo love keeps no records of wrongs. Now, I know what you're doing right now. Man, they need, to, they need to forget about what I've done. No, 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 friend. Personalize this. What are you in this moment still remembering? What are you still in this moment keeping record of? I'm not saying don't be wise and don't use past experiences to make, help you make future decisions. Like, stop making those poor business decisions. Like, you invested in that before. Like, stop investing in that company. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we don't keep record of the slights people have made against us. We don't say, oh, goodness, that's the 97th time you said my hair looks horrible today. Like, like what's wrong with, like, we, we don't do that, especially if they've asked for forgiveness. But friends of Jesus obey his commands. Everybody say obey. A word that is very, very unpopular in our culture today. We love the love of God, amen? We praise Jesus for the love of God. We don't like talking about obedience. We don't like this transactional side of things. We, we only want to be the recipients. But can I say this? If you view obedience as a transaction, you're looking at it all wrong. It is not a transaction. It is a result of that love. When you love someone, obeying comes naturally. Setting aside your own desires comes naturally. It, it's, it's something that, that comes 
easily. I, I want to tell you this, that, that this passage, this is John 15, 13, 14, let's read this really quick. He says this, greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for one's friends. He says in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. I remember reading that passage for the first time as a Christian and being terrified because I thought the moment I fail to obey Jesus, I have lost my friendship with him. So I would work super hard, and I'd be good at it for, for months at a time. Like, I'm talking good. I'm not even wearing mixed clothing. Like, you know, like Old Testament laws. Like, I even went back to the, no, I'm just kidding, I didn't. Like, I haven't had chicken, or I haven't had pork, or, or bacon. No, no. You are my friends if you do what I command. So I, I would take this passage, and I'd be so fixated on the commands of Jesus. Oh, got to make sure I do this, and I can't do that, and I, and I got to do this. But, but I, I failed to look at the verse before where he says, greater love has none than this than to lay, life's one, lay one's life down for one's friends. Jesus isn't saying that this is what you're going to do to prove your love to me. He's saying that's what I have done to prove my love to you. I've laid my life down. Oh, and by the way, a result of that kind of love and a response from living within that kind of love should be obedience. This passage does not say, I, Jesus, am your friend if you do what I command. Like, literally, please change your mindset. This passage is not saying, I'm your friend if you do what I command. He says this, you are my friend if you do what I command. Your friendship is revealed by your obedience towards me. My friendship to you was revealed when I laid my life down. But your friendship towards me is revealed when you choose to receive that and operate from that paradigm and say, I will obey. Everybody say the word obey. There was a time when Jesus was trying to illustrate this to his disciples in Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, the Jesus' mom and sisters and brothers are coming to the house that he's at. I think it's Peter's house. And uh, someone comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, your, your mom and your brothers and your sisters are all outside. And Jesus says, hey. He says this in Mark chapter 3. Let's read this. Who, who, who are my brothers and my sisters? And who's my mother? She asked. Uh, or he asked. It isn't, he's not she. That's weird. He asked. He says this. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my brothers and sisters. Here are my, here's my mother. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus was not writing off his, mom, his own mom and dad and brother and sister. Like he, he, he wasn't writing his family off. He was writing strangers in. He was saying, if you obey my commands and if you do the will of my father, you are my brother. You are my like, you're in obedience. Not, not just, I mean, you receive that love, but, but then you operate from that love and choose to obey. My kids understand that fact. Um, there was one time, I think it was Aubrey and Desmond again, who they were having this, this little spat. And they, they were arguing, and, and Desi, he doesn't talk much, uh, but he, he screams a lot <laughs> at home. Uh, and, 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 and like he was like commanding Aubrey to do something. And they play this really, this really strange game where one of them will go in the cabinet and ask the other one to keep the door closed. But then when one wants to get out, he's like, let me out. And they start screaming. And I'm just like, dude, you asked her to do this. 
Like, I saw you ask her to do this. Or Aubrey will do the reverse where she wants to go in the cabinet. And she's like, all right, all right Desi, close the door. And, and Desi closed the door. And then August is with his mug. He's like, those kids again. Gosh, Dad, they're very funny, right? Like, uh, but, but Aubrey goes in there, and she's trying to get out. And she's like, let me out. And, and, and Desi's just holding it. He's looking at him. He's like, what am I going to get in trouble for this, right? Like, but then there was one time where, where, where Desi was commanding Aubrey to do something. Like, Aubrey! Aubrey, give me water. And he's like, just like he's literally Thor from like, he's like, more. Like he throws stuff down. Give me, give me water. And Aubrey was like coloring on the kitchen table. And, Aubrey, give me water. I don't know why he does this to her. Why do they do this to each other? And eventually Aubrey looks up at Desi. And I'm, I'm just watching this because these kids are cute. And I'm just like, man. Aubrey looks up at Desi and says, you're not daddy. <laughs> She knows authority. She, she knows that my love is the starting point for when I speak something to follow that word. She knows obedience is the result of the love that I have for her. She knows that when I say something, and they know when I say something, that they should follow suit. It started with love. Now I will forever love them. And they may choose to obey and I will still love them and they may choose not to obey and I will still love them but their obedience is whether or not they trust that love I believe this morning God wants to speak to some of us about friendship with him listen he has no longer called you a servant he calls you a friend a son a daughter he has transformed you I mean Continues on in this passage, he says this, I no longer call you servants. Why, Jesus? He gives us the answer. He says this, because a servant does not know what his master's business is. Right? I mean, think about that. A, a slave in the household or a servant in the household back in this time, hey, go, go make me lunch. The servant doesn't say, why? The servant says, all right, I'll do it. No questions asked. Hey, hey, we're having people over. Go, go do this. Why? No, that's not, a, that's not a good servant. But he says this, you are friends, I tell you why. When God tells us to obey, when he tells us to go and make disciples, when he tells us to, like, he tells us why. He, he brings us into the conversation. He doesn't allow us to make changes to the conversation, but he, he's like, ah, here's why. Because I have a passion for the world. I want to see everybody come into this love that we have. Go and make disciples. Go and reach the lost. Go, go. And by the way, when he says bear fruit, he's not talking about doing good things in your life. In fact, if we were to break down, if we had more time and broke this passage up, that imagery of bearing fruit is multiplication. The vine multiplies itself. He's literally talking about reaching the lost. Bearing fruit is, is reaching people. That's the fruit he wants us to bear, is to make disciples. But that is a result of, of obedience. Now, some of you may be thinking about this and saying, as we end here, you may be saying, Pastor, this doesn't really compute, right? Because in other passages, we see, the, uh, we see that, that, yeah, we're no longer servants, but then we also see passages where, where Paul says, I'm a servant of Jesus. I'm, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus. We see James, I mean, every single epistle that starts off, I just want to give you really quick examples. Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. James 1.1, 1, 1, 
James, a servant, that same word that is used earlier, doulos, a servant of God. 2 Peter 1.1, 1, 1. even Peter says it, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus. Wait, but I thought he no longer calls them servants. That's true. Jesus no longer calls them servants, but they are quick to say, that's what I am. I mean, this is a beautiful image where Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I think it's beautiful when we say, but Jesus, I want to be. I want to be a servant. Thank you for calling me your friend. Thank you that we're friends, but I love to be a servant. And, and this imagery comes from really Old Testament theology. Exodus 25, if you serve a master that is so good that you choose to remain in the household of that master, you can choose to stay a servant forever. This is the idea here. Listen, friends, I, I believe God's heart for us this morning is to better wrap ourselves around this concept of friendship. I believe his hope and his prayer for us this morning is this, that as we live out this friendship of love, this loving friendship, that we would understand that we are called to love one another, that we are called to obey his commands, that we are called, every single one of us in this place, are called to understand his truth. And lastly, we are called to bear fruit. Can we just have a moment where we reflect on this passage? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Let's just have a moment. Let's just have a moment where we allow the Spirit of God to move in our hearts and lives. You may be saying to yourself, Pastor, I'm, I feel like a servant. I feel as, as though I'm one who is estranged from God. I feel like I, I am a stranger. I know he knows me, but I want to know him. I want to follow after him. I want to join in in this relationship that he has to offer. If that's your desire, would you just go ahead and lift up your hand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else saying, Pastor, I just want, I want that friendship. Awesome. I understand in this place that Many of us would consider ourselves friends of God. But maybe the Lord's desire for us is, is to become even better friends. And a mark of that is obedience. A mark of that is trust. A mark of that is receiving that love even deeper. And if you would say, hey, pastor, I, I want to be a better friend. I want to get deeper into this relationship with Jesus. I, I desire more. I want to walk in greater obedience. I want to, I want to obey his commands. I want, to, I want to be a better lover of the people God has placed in my life. If, if that's your desire, would you just go ahead and slip up your hand? I know my hand is certainly going up for that. I want that. I want that. Jesus, thank you for every single one of us in this place, every single person in this house. Thank you that all of us are called to be your friends, that your number one aim is to remove this this chasm of separation that our sin has brought upon us. 
and your hope and your ambition and what you have, have accomplished is to be that bridge that brings us from strangers to friends, to sons, to daughters. And we pray that this morning we would all make this wholehearted decision to be recipients of that love, to rest and remain and abide in that love, and that as a result of that love, we would choose to love others, that we would choose to obey and forgive others, that we would follow after you and your commands, that we would listen to your Holy Spirit when you bring moments of correction. Right now, Father, I pray Go ahead and speak out to God. Right now, I pray, Lord, that if there's ever a moment that your spirit corrects me or says, don't go that way or don't say that or don't do that, I pray, Lord, that your love would prod me towards obedience. Listen, I know you don't take away your friendship, but I can make the decision whether or not to remain and abide in it. And I choose to obey. I choose to remain. Thank you, Lord, that you no longer call us servants, but you call us friends. We're not servants any longer. We are not illegitimate children of God. But thanks be to Jesus that what he has accomplished, that he has allowed us entry or passageway into the home, the house, the the family of God, that we do not look upon the Lord and say, oh, I wish I could be with him. No, because of Jesus, we are seated at the table with God. That here on this earth, we can navigate our lives in that union. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, that where we work would be transformed because we carry your presence, that our households would be transformed out of a relationship that we have with you, that every single relationship that we find ourselves in would be riveted because of Jesus, because who is with us, because the friend that we carry with us everywhere we go. Thank you, Lord, for your friendship. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you're thankful for the Lord, can we give him some praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Friends, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, if you are new, we'd love to meet you in the fireside room. Don't forget Vision Sunday next week. Bring a friend. There's a lot of great things happening. Can't wait to talk to you guys and talk about what the Lord is doing next week. God bless you guys. We'll see you later. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.